Praise God. Habakkuk chapter 2. In verse 1, we've been talking about following a plan. We're going to continue along the, that in that direction today. We started in January, and we're, we, I don't know when we'll end with this, but we'll just listen to the voice of the Lord. And we'll review a little bit, but today we're going to talk more about our specific vision. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he'll say to me and what I'll answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify and we bless you. We thank you for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it. We thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you, Father, for utterance in the Holy Spirit for all of us, as always, to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual truth, spiritual freedom in a free country. We thank you, Father, for, again, for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that we can listen to the voice of your Spirit in every aspect of our lives. And we know, as Jesus said, the sheep hear his voice, it's the voice of a stranger, they do not hear. So we're listening. We know the Holy Spirit's still speaking what you're saying. So we, we believe you, Father, for guidance and leadership and a plan for our lives. We thank you for that privilege as your children, as part of our heritage. Now, Father, as we set ourselves to receive your word today, we know that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but it stands in your power, the power of the living God. We thank you, Father, again, as we receive revelation, heart knowledge of your word today and every day as we study it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we began talking initially in this series. We said in, in uh, back at the beginning that in, in Proverbs 29 and verse 8, we used for kind of a keynote type scripture, verse 18, I'm sorry, where there is no vision, the King James says, the people perish the new king james says where there is no revelation no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint but happy is he who keeps the law we said initially of course that a lot of people don't have a plan they don't have a plan for a day they don't have a plan for a week or for their lives they don't have a, a any kind of a thing but they just you know whatever happens happens well we need to uh, as Christians, we need to get beyond this, of course. We said that uh, sometimes by accident things will work out, but most of the time it results in, in confusion. God isn't the author of confusion. Winging it doesn't work on a daily basis. So we, we said we should have a minimum of a general plan for our lives, and we need a specific plan also. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we said that why, why should we have a general plan? 
because God has one. We saw in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14, he says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now we're not lost, but we still have to seek God and, and put all our heart into it to hear what he's saying, to, keep, to be closer to him in every aspect of our lives. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you and will bring you back from your captivity. We also saw that I won't read the whole thing. I've read it a couple of times, but uh, Brother Hagen had a prophecy in February of 1964, 49 years ago, that, uh, you know, he's talking about if you, if you understand and speak the word of God, and, and, the, and the last line of it says, trust in the God of the universe and allow him to work out his eternal purpose in your own life. Now that hits home because we need to work out his eternal purpose in our own lives. We don't need somebody else telling us what, our, what the purpose of our life is. You know, a long time ago, I, I, I've told you before, people used to say, well, I have to find myself. You know, they'd leave marriages, they'd leave relationships, they'd leave their children, they'd leave families to go find themselves. Well, we're not lost. We don't need to be found, but we not need to find a purpose for our own lives. We said that the general plan isn't hard. The general plan to live a life of faith, to put God's word first, to maintain an attitude of praise and worship. A lot of people leave that one out. You know, if griping and complaining would, would uh, fit in there, then everybody would be fine. But a lot of people leave out the attitude of praise and worship. They, they stick in the griping and complaining. Maintain an attitude of praise and worship. Live in God's peace. Cast your cares upon him and leave him there. Rely on his wisdom. James chapter 1 is the great wisdom chapter as far as I'm concerned. If you lack it, you can ask. He'll give it to you liberally without finding fault. But ask him in faith, not wavering. Because those who waver like a wave of the sea... Double-minded man's unstable in all his ways, it says. We said, too, that number seven is be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. We said there's specific plans geared to your individual needs. We'll touch on that a little bit today. But we, in that specific area, we have to see ourselves strong. It says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have to see ourselves strong in the Lord. Not strong with, with our own physical strength. You can be strong in the physical and not strong spiritually. We have to be strong in the Lord. The power of His might. See ourselves worthy. We're worthy because He took our... our if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5. He made us uh, to be the righteous of God in Him because he, made, he became sin for us. We have to see ourselves as overcomers. Revelation 12:11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. See ourselves as overcomers and we have to rely on his strength, not our own to accomplish those goals. We also said even with a vision, a plan or a revelation, we have to act in trust. We saw that simple formula in Proverbs 3:5 and 6, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path. Four steps. Simple. He'll lead us. The Bible tells us He'll lead us. John 16, 13. says He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. Because he, what He conveys, He's hearing from the Father. And He's still hearing it today and He's still speaking. We said that we have to pull on our own heritage. Our heritage, our inheritance. We're in the family of God. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Any tongue that rises in judgment will condemn, for this is the heritage, the inheritance of the servants of the Lord, and our righteousness is in the Lord. We said that we have to rely on Him and trust in Him. With God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. These things are impossible. We saw it in Matthew chapter 19. But we have a part to play. We have to do something. We have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. We have to find out who we are in Him. We talked about the 155 uh, references in Brother Hagin's little book, In Him. It says we're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Acts 17, 22 through 28. Life our life is in Him. John chapter 1. So we have to find out who we are in Him. We said that faith for salvation is childlike faith. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 2. It's, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's not something that we earn. So that's childlike faith. But living a life of faith takes action on our part. We saw that in James chapter 2. That faith without corresponding action is dead faith. Last week we talked about meditating the word. Has to be part of our specific plan. It's also in the first two parts of the general plan. All focus of his specific plan is on us. So we have to bring the definition to our times. The definition of meditation. You know, we, we think that sometimes that meditation is just thinking. Well, you can think about the word. You can even think uh, scriptures in your head but meditation in the in the Hebrew was actually to mutter it to speak it to they even said to drone so we, we need to speak the word on a daily basis meditate the word and staying full of the word uh, coincides with meditating the word so we have to stay so full of his word and his spirit that we can draw on it that it rises up in us through any adversity or any opportunity to share and we said finally to let our faith overcome our fear. That should be in the general, specific, and every part of it. We don't have a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of a, a spirit of power, love, and a sound, disciplined mind. And, and we said that we see that uh, fear is a spirit. It's a spiritual thing. There's no fear in love, 1 John 4.18 says. Perfect or complete love casts out fear. Romans 10.8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. We have to walk in that love. Ephesians 5.1 and 2. Be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Walk in love. Has to be uh, an important part of our general and specific plans for our lives in God. So that brings us up to date. To today, we're going to talk about our specific plan a little bit. 
And we see that scripture there where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, where there is no plan, no prophetic vision. The people cast off restraint. The people perish. Happy is he who keeps the law. But if you go back to our text, Habakkuk chapter 2, there's some things in here that we need to see. There's actually five keys to hearing God's voice. Number one, of course, we, we see uh, actually actually skip down to John chapter 10 verses 27 and 28. You know, Jesus in John chapter 10, it's something that we need to study. The, the complete chapter, of course, and we bounce around in it a lot. But here, later on in his uh, teaching here, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. We're one of those sheep. We hear his voice. We know that voice. And there's where people jump around. They think that they're hearing something, and they don't, you know, they think, well, couldn't, could that be just me, or could that be the devil? Or could that be, you know, the nightly news or what? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That's a comforting thought, isn't it? It is to me. When the devil says, well, you, you know, you're going to fall you're going to slip back. You can't maintain. And people, you know, you see people that do it. I can't live the message. I can't do it. You know, the life of faith is too hard. No, he said, they'll never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Thank God for that. But we, there's five keys to hearing his voice. And we see this. Night and bounce back to Habakkuk. I'm sorry. Number one, meet with the Lord regularly. If you have to, in a special place of prayer, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. We need to, we need to have our quiet time. And I know everybody's day doesn't always include a quiet time. But if you think it through, there'll be some time that you can spend with the Lord. Or you don't know my schedule. No, I don't. I know my schedule, but I know that there's some time that we can sneak in there if we have to. And I know there's busier days than others. And, some, and you'll feel that because you'll go through a day, you know, an 18-hour day, and you think, I didn't have any time today to spend with the Lord. You feel that loss. It's like you missed something that day. So we need to, to spend that time on a regular basis. Number two, Listen for him. Look for him to speak to you. To speak to you in your heart. And give you those visions. He says, up here he says, I will watch to see. The Lord, it says, I, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he'll say to me. And what I'll answer when I'm corrected. That doesn't mean corrected and you know, snapped off. 
I mean, shown the way, will say to me, and what, and what I'll answer when I'm corrected. I'll see what he'll say to me. Listen. Listen. Take time and listen. Number three, listen for the word of the Lord distinctly. He'll say to me, he'll say to me, see that up there? I'll, set my, I'll stand my watch, set myself on the rampart, watch to see what he will say to me. Listen distinctly. What he'll say to me, it says, not what he'll say to somebody else and give to you. You know, there's good things that somebody can minister you with a word. I'm not putting that down. But you've got to listen on your own. Don't ever let somebody else's word uh, come between you and what the Lord's told you. Got, it's got to measure up with the word of God first and you have to have it in your own heart. You know, we've had people, uh, not us specifically, but I know in the, in the church up north, people would constantly, constantly tell the pastor what they received for him. He hadn't received it, but they got a word for him. I'll tell you, if you listen to everything that everybody said, and I said, that doesn't happen around here. But if you listen in a situation like that, you wouldn't do anything because you'd be off in every direction. If it doesn't minister to your heart, put it on the shelf. Listen to what he's saying to you specifically. And this is a tough one right here, number four. Keep a journal of things that he says to you. Verse two says, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Write the vision. That word vision in the Hebrew, and I know we get off on things and we think, well, we've got to have a vision. The vi a vision is, is a plan, a goal. It says here in, in uh, the actual word is shatav, 3789 in the Hebrews, in your pocket strongs, to write, inscribe, engrave, record, to document in written form. Shatav refers to inscribing words on some type of material, such as sheepskin. If you don't have any sheepskin, you can go ahead and use paper. I'm sure that would be fine with the Lord. Which serves to document and preserve the things written for future reference. Now that, you know, that's a tough thing, isn't it? Did you ever wake up in the middle of the night and the Lord had something for you and, and, and you just... Your, your mind is clear, so your heart's listening. You know, you don't have the muddle of the day. And you, you're rummaging around there trying to find a piece of paper, write that stuff down. Maybe you, maybe you have a paper by your bed. You should. Take record of it when he's speaking to you. And if it happens during the day, jot it down. Or, or speak it into a recorder or something you know and when you go back and read it you think I don't remember that the way it, the way it came out because it was coming from your heart not so much from your head write the vision make it plain it says write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it keep a journal 
And finally, number five, wait for God to bring it to pass. It will surely come, it says. Wait for God to bring it to pass. That's the toughest one of them all, isn't it? It's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than to have somebody have patience in this day and age. Everything has to be done right away, right? Now, I, I didn't make it that way. Get married, you have to have a house. Have a house, you have to have furniture. Have furniture, you have to have a new car, two new cars, because both of you have to work to pay for all this. So, you know, all this stuff has to be. I'm just telling you what the, the way we've been taught, the way we've seen. That's not necessarily God's plan. Wait for God to bring it to pass. It will <coughs> surely come. It will not tarry. It will not tarry. Wait for it, but it's not going to tarry. That's almost contradictory, isn't it? No, it won't tarry because in God's time, He's not tarrying. He's bringing it to pass. Wait for it, though. Have some patience. It, it says it's for an appointed time. Verse 3. It's for an appointed time. At the end, it will speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. Stay in faith, basically, is what that says. Live in faith. We talked about that last week, and we talked about it again today in review. Not fear. Fear is the polar opposite of faith. What well, didn't happen today? And the devil said, yeah, that's not going to happen. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't maybe my plan isn't right. Maybe that vision came from my head, not from the heart of God. No, he's going to tell you everything. But you stick to this to these keys. Meet with the Lord every day. Look for God to speak to you. Listen for the word of the Lord. Keep a journal. Write them down. Write the vision. Make it plain, it says. And wait for it. God will bring it to pass. It will surely come. But we have to stay on course, don't we? If you ever drove anywhere more than 10 miles, you know that you have to stay on course. If you ever rode anywhere, went anywhere. Of course, now we have a GPS built into every vehicle or you know you can hook one on your window or if you don't need much of it you know we used to get we used to have to actually get paper maps and follow them can you imagine that in this day and age people have you know nowadays you can just plug something in and something will tell you which way to go but you have to stay on course anyway and you know those gps devices have to be updated if not you know they can close some roads and fix some roads and do certain things, build some roads actually. But you have to stay on course anyway. Look at Matthew chapter 7. You need to stay on course spiritually and in the natural realm. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13.
This is Jesus talking. Enter by the narrow gate. King James says straight gate. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, if we just stop there, we'd think, well, do I have a chance? Few who find it? Sure you do. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Stay the course. Let's look into it a little deeper. Let's look at this same opening, actually, in Luke chapter 13. Jesus says more here, but I, I like Luke's rendering. It's, it's a little clearer. Luke chapter 13 and verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he'll answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he'll say, I, I, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. You know, there's a key right there. Are you a worker of iniquity? Do you live in sin? Of course not. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac, here's another key, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They'll come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, that's us he's talking about, and sit down in the kingdom of God and indeed, there are last who will be first. There are first who will be last. Now, to understand that, we have to, to understand what, how he's saying this and what context. Verse 28 there, uh, there will be weeping national teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets. The Jews claim to be automatically in the kingdom of God by virtue of their physical relationship to Abraham. Now, we're Abraham's seed because we're spiritual Jews. But they claim to be there automatically. Believing Gentiles, verses 29 and 30, who were called last will enter the kingdom, while unbelieving Jews who were called first will be excluded. So, we see that he's talking a little bit about Jews and Gentiles here. So you're not going to be shut out if you stay the course. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he won't see the kingdom of God. We get born again and we stay the course. Simple two-step method, isn't it? Only it's not always as simple as that. But when we keep on the course spiritually, and there's a lot of chances to veer, isn't there? The gate's narrow, though, 
because Christ is the only door. We, we touched on this a minute ago, but let's look at it. John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That's us. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Of course, we know what verse 10 says. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Don't follow that path. I come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundant life. Gates narrow because Christ is the only door. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There ain't no other way. We have to stay the course in the natural though too. And I don't mean, well, we have to be good little boys and girls and not do this and not do that. Well, you know, you know what to do and what not to do. But I'm talking about staying the course by setting, we need to set goals. And adjust them if necessary. Did you ever have a goal that you could weren't able to reach? Did you just quit? No, we have to adjust them. We need to be general and specific. I'll give you an example. Proverbs chapter 4. My son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, their life to those who find them. Health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it spring the issues of life. That's a good general goal, isn't it? Lord, I'm going to attend to your words. I'm going to incline my ear to your sayings. That's general, generally speaking, right? But a specific goal would be, uh, I'm going to read a chapter a day of your word. I'm going to study your word every day. I'm going to memorize a verse every day. I'm going to read through the Bible in one year or, or two years or whatever or a month or whatever you say. That's a specific goal. There's general goals. There's specific goals. But they could be adjusted. I know we set ourselves to read through the Bible in a year because they asked us to do it at Rhema. They gave us a little pamphlet that shows how many uh, you know scriptures and we, we gathered the family around when we could. And we could then, because they were all young enough, we had their attention. Nobody was going this which way and that. Nobody was working over here and over there and up there and around there. So we could get everybody together when I was home, and we would go through that. Now, we had to adjust those accordingly, but we, we did get through it. We didn't memorize the whole Bible, of course, but we memorized some of it. You set goals and stick to them and adjust them. Stick to them and their purpose. Stay the course in the natural. There are natural things that we have to do. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. Wait for it. Stay in faith. Stay the course. 
spiritually and naturally. And today's final point is to avoid discouragement. Some people don't reach a specific goal. They get discouraged. Discouragement is not from God. It is not from God. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21. Maybe your goal is to become a lawyer. And you went to school, you went to college, you, you took all the courses, you failed the bar exam the first time. You don't quit. You go back and study. Put it in. You believe God to be a lawyer. He'll stand by it. You wrote the vision. You made it plain. It's for an appointed time. It says, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Discouragement is not from God. He's an encourager. God is an encourager, not a discourager. Discouragement is from the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you have life and have it more abundantly. We're instructed in the New Testament not to cause discouragement. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 is a good example. Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Discouragement is not from God. It's from the pit of hell. He's an encourager. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. We know this one pretty well. We've been over it a lot. But it bears repeating in this situation. Here's a guy, you know, we know David. We know his life. We've studied his life. We, we know that he's been, he went through quite a few things. But this had to be one of the low points of his life here. He could have been discouraged here. Like I said, he, he went through a lot. But this particular situation here, look at this. Verse 1, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They didn't kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Now that's a good place to get discouraged, isn't it? Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept till they had no more power to weep. Now that means they were pretty upset. And David's two wives, Aenoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken. Now David was greatly distressed, no kidding, for the people spoke of stoning him on top of all that. Because the soul of the people was grieved, or bitter, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The King James says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. After all that, he encouraged himself in God. And, and if you read down through, you know, he asked for an ephod. He went before the Lord. He said, shall I pursue this 
troop. He said, go after him. He did, God did, and they did. And he got them back, got the spoils, found them in camp, you know, all spread out, celebrating. Took them, took all, everybody back. Why? Because he encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't get discouraged. Joshua chapter 1. We'll close with this, or begin to. God's commission to Joshua. Remember we talked about a wide and a narrow gate a couple minutes ago? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. If you stop there, that would be enough. But let's go on. Be strong and of good courage. He didn't say be, be discouraged because Moses is dead. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Don't get in fear. Don't be discouraged. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Go down the straight gate, the narrow gate, right? The narrow way. Don't turn from it to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, right? For then you make your way prosperous. Then you have good success. Have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now he made it quite clear to be strong and courageous. Not be discouraged and fearful. God is an encourager. Our specific plan should be, part of it is to avoid discouragement. Stay out of discouragement. If, if things didn't work out the way you planned them right away, stay with it. Stay the course. If you wrote the vision, you made it plain, it's for an appointed time. A specific vision. Stay in faith. Live by it. You know, we saw in, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, it said the just shall live by his faith. Three times. In the New Testament, that's reiterated three times. First one, Romans 1.17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, it is written. The just shall live by faith, as it is written. 
as it is written. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Stay the course. The straight gate, the narrow gate, both spiritually and in the natural. We need to set goals. Adjust them if necessary. Maintain the original purpose. Remember, God's the encourager. The devil is the discourager. Jesus came that would have life, have it more abundantly. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He lost his family. Everybody else's family is ready to get stoned. Good time to draw on that discouragement, isn't it? No. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Stay the course. Write it. Follow it. Adjust it if necessary. But stay the course and the plan. Father, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. And we bless you. We thank you as always for your guidance through your word. We thank you for your guidance by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for prophetic guidance. We thank you for dreams. We thank you always that we know the voice of the shepherd. A voice of a stranger we will not follow. Thank you. Thank you for that leading. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We'll listen. We'll act. We'll be doers of your word, not hearers only. We'll not be self-deceived. We'll not be discouraged. We'll stay the course. We thank you, Father. Thank you for a vision for our lives, a purpose for our lives. Our lives have value, meaning, and purpose because of what Jesus did, because of what you did by sending him, because of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Our hearts are full of thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Shall we stand?